Welcome to the Your Path to Purpose podcast. Living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement. I'm your host, Gaz Morgan, and I'm a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. I'm also a business and personal growth coach and also a keynote speaker. In this particular episode, I have the privilege of interviewing ex-professional footballer, Nicky Forster. He talks about his time in professional sport, but also he talks about his purpose now as the goal-setting coach and also keynote speaker. I really hope that you enjoy what he has to say. So welcome, Nicky Forster, Nick, Foz. I mean, I've met some people with lots of names and whatever, but you take the biscuit. I never know what to call you. I always call you Foz, but I know many people in football call you Nicky Forster. And, and I know your wife calls you lots of other names too, I'm sure. But um, we won't go there now. Anyway, welcome, Foz. How are you today, sir? I'm very good. Uh, thanks, Gary. And uh, I've been called a lot worse than Foz, so uh, Foz will do me fine. That's great. That's great. So listen, um, you're such a great friend and, you, you know, you've been so supportive of me in, in my goals, in, in helping me achieve so many things and just being, you know, you and your family, just taking me under your wing and just being great people and great friends. And I'm really grateful for that. But... To get you on my podcast is is something I've been wanting to do. So I really, in, in advance, thank you for coming on my podcast. For those of you that may not know this person, I don't know where you've been. Nicky Forster, um, as he is called in the football world. Please tell us a little bit more about you. Okay, I uh, well, thank you very much for some lovely words, Gary. Uh, really, really kind. But um, I am just a local boy who happened to be in the right place at the right time, and I got an introduction into the the world or the bubble, as as I think it's a great name for it now, and it's it's very topical. But I got an introduction into the world of professional sport uh, when I was 18, and that was 30 years ago now. And I, I carried on riding that roller coaster of um, being in that, that bubble for, for 20 years. And over that time, I, I played more games than most people play, and I scored more goals than, than most people scored. So I was, I was very, very fortunate. But um, do you know what? I think... Um, to a point, luck got me an introduction and then I made a lot of sacrifices to stay in it for as long as I did. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. So just tell us, how did it, how did you, did you, when you were going through school and, you know, if anything like me, I wanted to be a footballer, but just wasn't good enough. So did you actually kind of have a goal that you, because most boys when I was growing up wanted to be footballers really, or most, you know, the majority at least. So did you have that as a goal? to be a footballer? You know, I, I really didn't. I didn't have an intro into football and I didn't have a plan. And and I, when I do talks now, I, I, I use that as, as part of my talk, especially when I'm talking to school children. And um, I was never asked um, 
what I wanted to do really, or or have a real structured plan to get to that point. Uh, And I was um, never asked who I wanted to be. What sort of person did I want to want to be? Did I want to be caring, considerate, compassionate? Um, you know, because different character traits lend themselves to different professions. Yeah. If you're a counsellor, then you you need that caring and compassion. And if mm. you're a, a lawyer or a barrister, you probably need to be quite argumentative and very good at debating. Mm. Uh, certainly, my role as a as a striker, um, I had to be prickly at times, edgy, and and quite greedy at times. So, on the face of it, characteristics that some people would deem to be not that favorable uh, as a personality, um, but um, they certainly helped me at times. So no, I, I didn't have that structured um, vision. Yes, uh, like most children growing up, I had a dream. I had a, an idea of, of what I would love to do, but I never had a plan of, of how I was going to get from the position I am now to that goal point and that 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 uh that dream that i wanted and it 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 soon became apparent to me and when i got into professional sport i noticed the drive in the individuals i noticed the drive in the collective teams where they wanted to go and i suddenly started to really buy into the goal setting um ethos and and i've i've unbeknownst to me set goals all my life whether i've gone out for a little run when i was 15 or when I, I do it now at, at 48, I I still say, come on, get to the next lamppost and then then look at the next point and then get to the garden gate and then get to this point and then get to that point. I'm always breaking it down into smaller steps and I always have done. That's brilliant because it's really unusual, I guess, because nowadays, you know, children are, are kind of taken into the academies in football, particularly at such a young age, six, mm. seven, eight, um, and they, they're in, if they're lucky, they're in those, those academies and then they, they progress. And if they're really lucky, they get offered a professional contract. Whereas that wasn't the case for you, was it? It wasn't the case that you were signed up with an academy or with a particular football club. You played a bit of football. Um, but then there was this, this moment, I believe, that you, you often tell me about just tell tell the listeners really what that what happened um, and where were you playing and and that sort of thing it's it's a great story really and it's a really good message for life um, because I was playing for a local team called Hawley Town and I was just playing for their um, youth team at the time and um, uh, the, the manager at the end of a training session I think it was a Thursday evening said, no one leave. Um, we're going to have a meeting in the dressing room, um, changing rooms um, in 20 minutes. So we all got changed, showered up, whatever we did. And, and we were sat there, every one of us to a man itching to get away and go home and, and I don't know, watch something on telly or, or, or do something else, go and see friends or so forth. But we, we had to hang around. So we hung around and the manager came in and about 20 minutes later with the huge, great sort of big, brutish, burlish looking guy, and I recognised him as the first team manager. I you know he was a scary guy. Do you know what I mean? And none of us youth team boys had spoken to him. And um, the, our manager said, "Look, this is this is Bob, the first team manager. He wants to talk to you." And and Bob said, "Listen, guys, on uh, following Tuesday, next Tuesday, we've got a, um, a a pre-season friendly game against a professional football club. Gillingham are coming down for a, a pre-season game." And I'm going to play the first team. Um, but if any of you boys would like to be a part of it, then you won't start. But 
you can come on in the second half and and have a go. It's a real good opportunity to pit yourselves against you know, professional players. These guys are paid to play football for a living, you know, so it's good to test them and see how good they are physically, um, technically, uh, psychologically, you know, strength, you know. I suggest, you know, you come down at least and watch, but there's an opportunity for you to play. And after this, I, I looked around the dressing room, Gary, and I was amazed that this opportunity, not a single player, including me, put their hand up. Not a wow. single one. And I remember looking around thinking, come on, who's going to go? Who's going to put their hand up first? Who's going to, as soon as someone puts their hand up, I'm going to put my hand up, you know, like the sheep following yeah. you know, that trodden path, but no one put their hands up. And he sort of said, are you sure? And no one put their hand up. Okay. Last chance. And one guy put his hand up. Just one guy out of 19, 20 guys. And that guy managed to get on on that Tuesday night and did pretty average, if I'm honest, and was asked down subsequently for a trial. And that led to a one-year deal there and a, a one-year deal uh, extension and then a, a deal at Brentford and uh, Birmingham and Reading. And, and that guy was me. And had I not taken myself out of my comfort zone and just put my hand up, then I wouldn't be here on this podcast with you today. Yeah, that's such a great. And I guess at the time, did you really think that there'd be a lot of hands going up? When you think back to it, do you? I mean, because when I'm, if I'd have been there, I can tell you now, my hand would have been straight up, you know, because that's the kind of person I, I was, I guess. Well, you imagine, you imagine coaching your son or, or your daughter, and it's something that they would love to do, you know, and they got an opportunity, you know, this, this came on their lap. They didn't have to work for it. It was given to them an opportunity, and they came home and said, um, no, I, I'm not going to take this one. You'd wow. be like, are you crazy? Come on. Yeah. And, and, and that's how it was really. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, but I think the different reasons why we don't are, are very powerful and, and everyone's reasons. There are lots of reasons why we don't uh, take ourselves out of our comfort zone or, or, or set, you know, ambitious goals and uh, and uh, previous disappointments um sitting in a comfort zone and the environment we surround ourselves you know they're all valid reasons and and that was very much the case at that moment no one wanted to take themselves and and stand alone and um as i say they're all valid reasons but i mean most of us if not all of us i'm sure want the trajectory of our lives to go up obviously none of us want to be in a worse position at the end of the day than we were at the start of the day that's human human nature right so yeah. you know so, but to, to actually do that i believe that um we need we need a, a vision and we need a plan yeah that's really good although as a spurs fan normally my day seems worse at the end than it does at the beginning because <laughs> i always start thinking it's going to be good it's going to be good and then it's the same old same old disappointment but we, for you sorry we cannot on. work we cannot work miracles gary <laughs> <laughs> that's very true that's very very true if only if uh, only then maybe only. spurs would be more uh, successful so for you then so your first professional contract was at gillingham and then where did you go from there well i i um i, I just 
I remember um, not really understanding the whole sort of professional football thing. Yeah, I, I loved the game itself, but I didn't know the actual profession. I didn't know the industry. And like anyone going into a new industry, I had to learn pretty quickly, you know, a few broken noses, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, um, a few injuries in. And I started to, to wise up a little bit and I understood the game for what it is. And I, I, I loved every minute of it. I really did. I wasn't successful for 20 years. Um, but I, I can actually say that even the times when I look back now and I wasn't perhaps playing as well as I thought I should, or I was out the team or I was struggling with injuries, I still loved the life of a professional footballer. So I was immensely lucky, uh, number one, but I made lots of sacrifices to, um, like I said previously, play the amount of games I played, which was um, in the end, I played over 700 games and most players will, will do well to get to 500. And I, I scored over 200 goals. And again, to, to reach 100, a century of goals is deemed to be a good good target. So I'm very proud of, of what I've done. And... I spend my time now um, linking those experiences to the the, the world of um, the world of business. I go into to businesses and organisations, and I also coach um, other other athletes, both football and non football backgrounds, and and, and use those experiences to, uh, to, to 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 help them. Yeah, and and I know that you know two hundred and twenty one goals. I think you scored in your career. Um, and as you said, over 700 games, um, you, you often say that your knees and hips let you know that you've played over 700 football games, well, professional football games, should I say. And, and you also did a bit in management as well. Yeah. And But the most impressive thing for me that I've learned from you, you know, you're my coach and not just in, in my um, fitness levels and PT you know, you helped me with that. And obviously you've got um, the, the the gym that you, you run there with, with your wife, Nicole. Um, but also you helped me with my just goals, just setting goals. And you're so good. And I don't think I've come across many individuals, if any, um, that are as focused as you. your focus. When you decide to do something and when you get me to that, that state of it's almost like quit there is no doubt about it Gaz you're going to achieve this and I and I don't question it yeah where does where does that come does that come from professional sport or is that down to your upbringing your parents where does that come from I, I think the answer is a bit of both. I think um, motivation isn't a character trait you're not born with it or without it that certainly does. You, you can work at that. Um, we can learn it. Um, but there are certain things in terms of resilience that I think um, uh, I, I get some of that from my parents. Um, but, you know, I, I where does it come from? I, I don't necessarily see myself as the, the most amazing, the most resilient, the most focused person at all. I still get times where I sit and eat a whole bag of crisps or a, a whole bag of chocolate buttons on the sofa and think oh my gosh 
why have I just done that? You know, I, I do all those things as well, or, or, or drink a gin and tonic, you know, and, you know, it, it's not always super, super focused. I just, I just know that when I come to the end of my life, and, and I use this analogy a lot, is when I look down and I call it the corridor of, of life or the museum of life. And when you look down that corridor of your museum of life and your exhibits are along that corridor either side, you know, what are those exhibits going to be? And it doesn't have to be looking at the end of your life, looking back. I can look back now and, and what are my exhibits and what are the things, if I had exhibits, what would they look like? And I'll be honest with you, my, my, greatest, my greatest worry, my greatest fear, like um, any parent, and I am a parent, um, is that my children don't realise their potential. I, I, I say it to my children and... I know everyone, I hear so many parents say, look, I don't, I don't mind as long as you do your best. Mm. How many mm. times have we heard that as a mm. parent or said it? I don't mind how you do, but just do your best. That's good enough for me. And I've got to live by that. If I preach that, I've got to live by that. So I've got to make the best life for me and do as much as I can so I don't regret come the end of it. You know, if, if I went down that, that corridor of, an, of that museum of life and it, all my exhibits were just box sets I've watched of Netflix, mm. I mm. think I'd be a pretty disappointed guy. Yeah, I think I very often, you know, people, we talk about fear a lot, don't we, in, in both our business life and in our personal lives. And, and I've thought about it quite a lot over the years. And, and you know, sort of linking to that that kind of museum um that you're talking about a corridor that you were just speaking about my biggest fear is is getting to the end of my life and having loads of regrets you know i wish i'd done this and i wish i'd done that and i wish i'd said this and and that really drives me on in many aspects of of my life yeah. and and i know that you live as you rightly said you live by that ethos as well and you certainly with your clients i know with me you you really keep that in the forefront of my mind but what i really want to kind of get to now is that you had this this great career in in football and you often say that football was really good for you good to you but you also did say that that you made you know many sacrifices and i know your your family as well made many sacrifices you know when you think about Christmas and and holidays and you know games are coming thick thick and fast and and you're not necessarily around over those kind of festive and birthdays and all of those anniversaries etc but now this is all about this podcast is all about finding your path to purpose or living your path to purpose so now that you've you've kind of come through that world of professional sport and now you are a coach, you're a keynote speaker, and what is your purpose then? If I was to say to you, right, Foz, or Nikki, or Nick, what is your purpose? What would you say to that? Okay, so there's... My purpose, okay, so my purpose is to, um, as, as corny as it might sound, is to be the best version of, of myself. And I think there's many levels of that. And it's very personal to me because some people might 
link that to education. Some people might link that to exercise. Some people might link that to employment. Some people might link it to materialistic option, uh, uh, items or to um, a level in, um, in their employment. So there's lots of different things that people um, will, will cause their, them to be living the best version of themselves. For me, mm. I have, um, like I like I teach with my clients, to have um, a list of goals. I have a list of goals that I want to. In fact, I have a book of goals because I love writing things down and and mm. and, and having a book of things. I think when you do write things down, they tend to stick in your mind for longer. Yeah. So um, I've got lots of goals, lots of things that I want to achieve, and because I've got so many things that. I need to do in the future. I want to do in the future. Um, I don't spend a huge amount of time looking back. And yeah. so I'm going to have to wait until I look back down that, that museum of life of mine. But there's, there's two words that, um, that you spoke of um, um, earlier. And one of them was fear. And, and mm. fear is a really good, good thing because um, a lot of us um, link fear as a negative emotion. But it really is not. And you gave a great example of that when you said, um, I think you said your greatest fear is mm. to not uh, or is to regret. Or, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. Don't want to live it. Don't want to get to the end and uh, no. regret. No, no, no regret. No regret. So that's, that's a great example where fear is a really good emotion. But we always mm. worry about fear because fear of failure, fear of previous di disappointments, fear of fear of letting ourselves down, letting others around us down, fear of, of being successful. Yeah. Almost yeah. like, Oh, I don't know. Actually, don't know if I want to do that and, and put that pressure on me and be sick. But yeah. fear is really, really important. And we can, we can deal with fear and, and we can manage it. First, we've got to um, feel it, know yeah. that this is the sense, this is the emotion, the sense that we're, we're feeling. Then we've got to um, embrace it, you know, there are lots of times when we actually just need to, you know, if we're worried about something or we have that fear inside us, just, okay, let's go with it. Let's accept it. And, and then, as I say, we need to start accepting it and, and either practicing to improve on something or mm. um, and using other things like visualization to help us when we go through the same scenario again. So fear, a lot of people are worried and, and don't do things because of fear. But yeah. um, I, I use the marathon as, as marathon running as a really good analogy because the amount of people that I say about doing a marathon and, and nine out of 10 people say, I could never do a marathon. And I say, you could absolutely do a marathon. There's no yeah. two ways about it. Unless there is something physically that is stopping you, some sort of um, condition um, or, or physical condition that stops you, everyone can do a marathon, whether they walk, um, jog run combination of all three if you can put one foot in front of the other then you can complete a marathon and um it's it's just incredible it's an incredibly um it's an incredibly liberating thing to do that's brilliant so fear is a is a is a positive motivator is what you're really saying then and that helps with your kind of purpose i guess well i think i think a lot of people um with fear think how do we stop it or how can we um mm. or, or fight against it but it's a, yeah. don't forget it's a, it's an emotion that's been through us for over three hundred thousand years since when we yeah. were in you know primeval times and 
um, you know, we were we were running away either to evade being, you know, caught and, and killed or we were chasing something down. So fear is a natural thing that's been happening for such a long time. We cannot just turn it off. So we've got to learn to, to use it to our advantage. And there are lots of ways where we can. Yeah, I mean, it's, fa- it's interesting, actually. We had a um, guest on Elsie on a podcast recently and Elsie, you know, I said to her, you know, we, we were just having a chat really before the podcast. And I, I just said, you know, my thing is all about let fear be your guide. Let fear be your guide. And I, and I, I don't know where I've read that, but I've read it somewhere or I come across it somewhere. And that's what I often find myself saying, you know, whatever scares you is probably the thing that you need to do. Yeah. I mean, um, there's a great saying that saying that um, goals should um, scare you a little and excite you a lot. And, mm. you know, that that sort of sums it up, really. I mean, um, I, I've, I've done multiple marathons now and um, I, I can't tell you how tough the first few were and how scared I was of doing them. But do you know what? Now, when you've repetition, 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 and, you know, I, I almost, I say almost um, enjoy them. <laughs> Except for, um, was, was it yesterday? You did beachy head again, wasn't it? I um, did do beachy head marathon uh, on uh, yeah, Saturday, yes. wasn't it? That's was it Saturday. Saturday that's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's a, that's a tough one that is, isn't it? And I know you've done it um, on more than one occasion now, but um, yeah, the weather doesn't help. I think it always seems to be windy around those parts at the best of times, but you carry on and you complete that. But the thing I just want to, before we start wrapping up really is, is you as where you are now. So you are, the goal setting coach you are nikki forster the goal setting coach and you are an absolute master at helping individuals and teams to achieve set goals first of all but then also set them in such a way that you achieve them as well or you help them achieve them how going forward so who are you working with right now foz in terms of those kind of goals, I know, like I already said, you know, you work with the likes of people like myself, business owners, business leaders, etc. But I know there's there's another group of individuals that you're really passionate about supporting as well. Tell us a little bit more about those, if you don't mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I work across the board, Gary. I work with professional sportsmen and women, and I work with um, business um, men and women. I help with with them um, setting their business, their professionally professional related goals, and I also um, do a lot now with with schools and charities, where I go in and, and deliver workshops to. Um, sometimes um, uh, inner city um, kids, sometimes they're, they're targeted for possibly underachieving or have become disengaged. And I go in and, as I say, deliver workshops on um, setting goals for a better life, I call it. And what we do is, is as, as you said, we identify things that they would like to achieve in their life. And that's ranging from short term one-year goals to mid-term to long-term goals. And then we start putting down some, um, some specifying exactly what those goals look like and, and, and actually um, really nailing down, dialing in on what exactly they want, um, which creates um, an accountability um, to the goal itself. It, it reduces 
um, wriggle room to get out of it, which we all yeah. like to leave our goals a bit vague oh. and a bit fluffy because then we can wriggle out of them should we need to. But yeah. goal has to be specified. And the reason why we don't like doing that is fear again, because yeah. it's fear of failure and it highlights our inadequacies. But we have to really dial in and uh, specify goals. And, and then we, we put a plan of action on how these, these youngsters can achieve their goals. And, and then that's done over a series of, of, um, of um, visits to the school, um, which, again, helps with accountability. Because all too often with us um, um, speakers, keynote speakers, and with talks is, is very often they're just a single visit. And yeah. the thing with those is they resonate, sure, for 24, 48 hours. But after that, beyond that, everyone seems to just drop back. Okay, back to reality, back to the normal life. Um, and in this way, when I see them multiple times, um, it, it just continues that accountability and that uh, momentum because uh, as i said you know you, you don't have to be hugely motivated to start something new everyone thinks that you need all these this bag of motivation i've got mm. to do this and i'm super motivated like on the first of january mm. but the reality is you don't what mm. you need to do is just to take action action is the first step and yeah. once you take action you will find that you get some motivation off the back of that action. Then that motivation over time creates consistency and consistency over a period of time will always equal success. That's superb. And I love that bit around accountability as well. And, and about action, you often talk, I know, I hear you. I hear those words, action commitments, Gaz, action commitments. And that linked, those action commitments linked to accountability and the coaching from you that's where the big gains I think seem to be made just a touch there I said about coaching and one of the things that we often talk about is coaching no surprise I guess do you think that people everybody should have a coach or do you just think it's the business people or people that are struggling or what's, what's your thought I know your thoughts but it'd be great for the listeners to, to hear your thoughts on coaching? Well, um, it's no surprise, Gary, that I am a coach. So I help people and um, I, they come to me with, with different issues, um, personal, professional, and I help them and break them down and simplify them and find a route for them to move forward and, and realize those goals. And I myself have a coach or a number of coaches that I lean on to. So uh, the answer to the question is, is I believe that um, everyone should have a coach. I don't think we particularly embrace it that well in the UK. I think the um, over the pond in America, they, they have coaches and therapists and they use people to help their lives much more readily than we do here. We almost feel like it's... Um, it's a bit of a weakness or um, a bit of an Achilles heel if we have to lean on someone else. But mm. you know what? In this ever-changing, fast-paced world, then I think it's I think it's almost um, almost um, 
fundamental to long-term success and happiness that we have people that we can lean on. And you've touched on on me helping you, Gary, and it's no secret, I'm sure, that that um, I use you for a lot of advice and um, uh, and you've been, you know, extremely helpful to me. So, um, you know, um, the answer is I, I think everyone should for, for one thing or another, whatever they want to do, whatever they want to achieve. Yeah, I think they should look at people who have been there and done it and and use them. Yeah, because um, we're all learning, you know, as I say, and we all want that graph of our life to the trajectory to go, um, uh, you know, in the right direction. And it's it's never linear. It's always going to be up and down and 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 sure. uh, be setbacks along the way. But um, as long as we plan um, plan a route and we accept that there will be setbacks to that route, um, I'm sure we will. We we will all get where we want to go. That's brilliant. And I and I think the other thing as well, you you know, as a perfection ex-professional footballer, you were coached, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, for twenty for 20 years I was coached every day of my life, coached and managed. I had a manager judging me, saying, This is good, this is bad, you know. Um, you know, in, in not many other um, um, industries do you get critiqued so readily it's almost like um, Strictly Come Dancing at the end of it we all sit down in the dressing room line up and, and one by one the manager like the judging panel critiques us uh, you yeah. done well you didn't do well defenders did well tackers didn't do very well today you know so yeah. um, you know that 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 uh, that happened as a daily event um, for 20 years if you didn't train well um, you were pulled in and, and said what's what's up and I think there's a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of progression in that area now it's not just listen pull your thing you know pull your finger out or, or buck yeah. your ideas up you know there's a lot more understanding of um sort of the mental aspect the psychological yeah. side to to sport and um that that runs as well and i do a lot of work on that in fact i'm doing a lot of work with youngsters now um in sort of development squads and academies on the actual mindset of being a professional yeah. sportsman which um th there's a lot done obviously on tactical play um, there's a lot done on technical play. There's a lot done on physical strength and conditioning, but how much do they actually do on the psychological side? You know, yeah. the coping with setbacks, criticism, um, visualization, pre and post game routines. There isn't a huge amount done in that area. So I'm doing quite a lot in that respect. And that's great. And I think that's so even more now, I mean, pretty much like myself, you know, social media wasn't a thing when I was growing up. And now we know the power of social media. Yes, it can be can be used for some really great things, but also for the life of a, for a, of a professional sportsman, it can be really tough on those on those young shoulders, can't it? When maybe they don't play so well, or they've got a, a challenge or something that's not quite the game isn't quite going the way they want it to, and and they need those that mindset that allows them to go again almost despite the criticism um, and sometimes it's really cool right yeah i mean it's it's a, it's a tough industry i mean it's something like 95 percent of children in the center of excellences don't make it into the academy and then from the academy about 97 percent don't make it as a professional 
into the um, into the development squads, which is 18s to 23s. So the statistics are hugely stacked against these youngsters, and mm. they're going for trials from the age of nine, eight, nine, ten. And um, to be told um, eight, nine, ten, you're not good enough, or to be at a club for five, six years till you're 15, and then said, no, we don't want you. It's a, it's a crushing blow for anyone to take and um, there needs to be more done and um, um, there, there needs to be more done on the psychological side. And um, unfortunately, they're, they're trying, um, but there isn't quite enough. Uh, and that's evident when players come out of the bubble, like I called it, and it's a real mm. topical word at the moment. Yeah. But the bubble of professional football or professional sport where everything is done for them and yeah. um, I mean, we'll go on a pre-season tour and we'll go through the airport and the coach will have all 27 or all 30 passports. We don't show our own passports. They'll, you know, we, we're just followed through in herds like fashion and we just follow the herd and, and through we go as a group. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. everything's done for them. And then they come out the other end. Off you go. Um, and if you're millionaire then fair enough that helps but it certainly doesn't buy happiness and if you're not a millionaire then you've got to go back out into um, the workplace and it's incredibly tough it really is yeah because i guess it's almost becoming institutionalized almost right mm, well I, I certainly um i'm very fortunate that um uh, even though the amount of, of sport I've played, I, my joints still allow me to, to run and to cycle. And um, that institu being institutionalised in exercise has certainly helped me in terms of cope with, with mental health issues because um, certainly my fix is, is to get my trainers on. And, and my wife now knows that um, if she can see I've had a, a frustrating day or need to, to release that energy, the trainers are um, left on the doormat and uh, there you go, off you go, son. Yeah, that's brilliant. Well, listen, Foz, Nick, Nicky Forster, the ex-professional footballer who is now the goal-setting coach. Just before we go, do you want to just give out your details, Foz, so that um, the listeners can look you up and, and also, you know, if they wish to work with you as well, they can get in touch with you directly. So do you want to just give out your details? I will put them in the in the um in the links as we promote this podcast as well but it'll be good for them to hear hear it from you absolutely gary thank you for having me and um i can be found on my website which is nickyforster.com that's nickyforster.com or you can email me at nicky at nickyforster.com or i'm on linkedin uh, as nicky forster and i'm on instagram as nicky forster coaching so you can find me on on all the socials um, and um, I would love to hear from you. Just um, even if it's someone saying, do you know what, uh, off the back of uh, listening to your per uh, Path to Purpose podcast with Gary Morgan, I've decided to sign up for a marathon or a half marathon. And when you do that marathon, just drop me an email because you know what, that makes my day, week, month, year or, or whatever you like um, when I hear someone has been inspired to do something. Brilliant. Foz, thank you so, so much once again. And I, as always, look forward to you continue to helping me achieve my goals, but also for all those other business people and children, um, youth, young adults and individuals that you're also helping. So keep up the good work, buddy. And thank you ever so much once again. As always, Gary, my pleasure.
I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you so much for listening to the Your Path to Purpose podcast, living a life that gets you jumping out of bed with excitement. Just to remind you before I go that I'm Gaz Morgan. I'm a certified emotional practitioner and a business and personal growth coach. And if you would like my help in either helping you with a business challenge or a personal challenge that you're currently experiencing, then please visit my website, garymorgan.coach or drop me an email at gary at garymorgan.coach. Once again, thanks so much for listening. It's been a pleasure.